Charlotte Soccer Show, John Hayes, Danny Brams. Uh, we're here on a Sunday. Uh, Danny Brams, you're in the QC. I am in beautiful Indianapolis, Indiana. It's great to see you, Danny. Uh, after that performance on Saturday night, I just had to get on a flight and get the hell out of town. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we thought our next drink. Uh, we thought our next drink after the match would be a hooligan celebrating a big famous win. Instead, we're uh, having it uh, remotely over the internet here. Cheers. Uh, what you drinking? A little Heineken uh, in the hotel. Yeah, a little hotel Heineken, Heineken bottle. I'm finishing off a bottle of Malbec that I started the other night and uh, have been drinking from the bottle, just kind of sipping, just some <laughs> good old fashioned sipping wine, if you will. And uh, uh, Lord knows I need it because uh, man, what a what a weird day. What a weird result and just a strange, strange night at Bank of America Stadium. After all the hype and the buildup and, and like waking up on Saturday and feeling like I was going to spontaneously combust in the morning, uh, felt very different this morning. And I just want to – it sort of goes back to something I said in our preseason coverage this year, which is that last year Charlotte FC couldn't hurt me. Like no matter what happened, they couldn't hurt me because they were new. It was a honeymoon phase. Uh, but I'm hurting today. I'm I'm hurting bad because expectations, man. Expectations poison relationships. I say it all the time. And uh, man, like I expected a lot more last night. It the, the the difficult reality is that you know it's like one one game played and, and one loss. You know we we both predicted the the W on Saturday night, and I, I think up until that New England Revolution goal late in the match, I think it was the 88th minute something like that yeah. until that goal mm -hmm. happened you still really thought that you could potentially sneak one out steal one mm -hmm. late because we've we've seen at the fortress we, we've seen th these late substitutions shinya cheeky comes into the match vargas comes into the match and all of a sudden you start to think about the back of the net bulging and right. it's happened and and in the past and it just it didn't happen um, and at night so the one thing i wanted to do they were both Danny instant Rams, underscore instant offense both of those guys but i want to underscore that the reason why um this episode is aptly titled not good enough because it's it's truly for me it was it was the only thing that i could really muster late last yeah. night as i'm right. as i'm sitting on my couch and the, mm -hmm. the match is over and I, and I want to give some sort of commentary but all i could really uh come up with was was three words and it was it was it was not good enough that's three. So we're going to have a couple different things to talk about tonight, Danny. I think um, first and foremost, you, you've got the rewatch done, which is uh, tremendous work by you. I was on rewatch here on it Sunday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so we're going to get your thoughts after the rewatch. Uh, we asked our tremendous friends of the show as well to to hit us with some takeaways. Uh, main takeaway from Saturday, mm -hmm. and, I, and I wanted to make sure that I open this up to not just on the field uh off the field on tv apple apple tv apple uh mls season pass is officially uh live as we're both mm -hmm. sitting here now seattle is is one nil up on colorado uh, on their Crazy. home debut as well uh, and we've got a ton of questions ton of responses to that that we'll share on the show uh including one from uh at life of geslin friend of the show matt geslin chimed in on this who, who was critical as always at the club but uh you know what yeah i, I think it was fair play the, after he, last night. the uh the frenemy of charlotte fc you could call him for sure <laughs> so uh the other thing we're going to do and this is this is awesome for you danny brands one thing that we've done always is player ratings mm -hmm. and 
uh, Danny Bram's got us hooked up today with some some sofa score ratings. You're going to see them scroll across the bottom of the screen. And look look at that. Uh, some some solid ratings, uh, but mm -hmm. there's one that really stands out to me, and it's Carol Svidersky at 6.6, Danny Bram's. Let's just dive right into it. I, I've, I've seen supporters play the blame game, calling it a hero ball, uh, the giveaway that led to New England Revolution's goal. Mm -hmm. Take me through that moment. And on the rewatch, what did you see specifically? I saw a team that was fighting. I saw a team that was fighting hard. I, I saw a team that wanted it as badly as we did. I think the players on this club, the people, who, the players who are the heart and soul of this club, they want, they, they, there was no lack of effort. There was no lack of like desire to go out there and give the supporters what we craved so bad. And that's what made it even that much more painful. It's like, it's not like the club necessarily came out flat. It was more like they came out overcharged to the point of they couldn't really get anything done because everyone was trying to do it by themselves. Every single per all 11 players felt like I have to be the guy that goes out and wins this match. And that's right. the problem when you stop working together as a team. Uh, Brand Bronico played pr uh, pretty well, but fouling constantly, just like constantly fouling Brand all over the field. I'm shocked he didn't get a yellow. And it's because he's just wants to do it so bad. And like Carol, like, running around and chasing after balls instead of letting him get to their intended receivers on passes and stuff like that. And like intercepting his own team passes and, you know, taking one on two dribbles and things like that. It's because he just wants to create something so bad. So not necessarily lack of effort, but it was uh, a bit of a lack of ideas. I felt I, heard, I saw a lot of that commentary a post-match and I agree with it. There was no real way to get the ball into dangerous areas regularly. There was a few, and then the few times we didn't, we didn't cash in. And I got to say, Poor, poor home regular season debut for Enzo Capetti. We loved everything we saw from Enzo in the two preseason friendlies against, you know, lower division squads. And tonight or last night was absolutely 180 degrees away from that, unfortunately. He got the – so <laughs> I put I, – I, I dubbed it the hat trick of complaints. He was, uh, he was spotted on camera vehemently complaining about a, a handball that he wanted a foul that he wanted and a corner kick that he wanted. He, he, he like harangued the ref over all three of those. So we call that the complaint hat trick uh, for Enzo. Uh, hopefully we'll see some uh, actual goal scoring hat tricks in the near future, but uh, I still have all faith in Enzo, but it was a bad game for him for sure. That didn't help our cause at all. He had really bad touch. Like people are shitting on gains constantly all over the internet, which I, I get. He had a bad game as well uh, for him. You can see he's a 6.7 him. Carol Gaines and Capetti, our front three, were the lowest rated uh, dudes on the on the uh, sofa score rating. Okay, which is and, and that's exactly what I was thinking about, and what I wanted to bring up to you is because I, I think most times we do these post game shows, which by the way you'll be able to see on YouTube this year. Uh, no big deal. Uh, we're going to make sure that we get together after matches to see share the content wine. on YouTube. If you want to see me drinking wine straight from the bottle, I mean, come on, that, that's that's the kind of stuff that makes Danny Brams a legend. I thought. Every time, I, and and I'm I'm almost willing to guarantee this, but not necessarily because I think there's some other players on the squad that are still very good. But you know, in these post game conversations, Danny, if if we discuss how Kyle Svodersky didn't have a good match and how Enzo Capetti didn't have a good match, there's a very strong likelihood that Charlotte FC did not mm -hmm. get the result that was desired, right? Exactly. So I think early in the season we have the ability to kind of underscore that these two players are the key to Charlotte FC. And I, I saw some conversation around there about how 
New England was able to take Swiderski out of the match. I heard some excuse making from Enzo Competti after the match, to be honest with you, about the sure. turf at Bank of America. About the turf and the, and the speed of the game. He also complained the about the like, game because of the turf. He was, talking about the, yeah. he was talking about right, the it's turf all related. being yeah, okay. the speed of the game. Exactly right. Yes. And just how things move quicker. So there's some excuse right. making happening. But, but ultimately, to me, to me there, there's one way that you can overcome, Danny, if you're, you're number 10 and you're number nine, don't perform. You overcome that by playing on the wings. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't there last night on Saturday night, was it either? No, you remember the ball I described uh, from the preseason matches, that that right side ball from Byrne over the top to Gaines that he runs down, like sends across in the box and like starts our whole offense that I was like gushing about in the preview episode completely. I saw it one time and it didn't lead to really anything and it, it was it was almost non-existent really. Uh but Gaines, like one time Gaines did have a promising attack in the early, in the middle of the first half and had like a really nice little dribble past a guy, slide a spot, a pass into Enzo. And Enzo took a horrible touch. It like kicked right, it kicked like wildly off of Enzo's foot instead of him being able to draw it in. He had his back to goal, like right at the top of the box. And it's like, oh, that's where we want Enzo to get the ball at his feet and make a turn on somebody and make a play. He couldn't control it. So that was unfortunate. Maybe that's a fault. Maybe Gaines sent the pass in too hot. I don't know. Uh, but that same play Carroll's off to the side screaming for a pass and so it's just like again everybody wanted to do their own thing to be the hero that won this game for Anton for the club like I, I understand why it happened you know the the emotional tribute uh material everything before the match was like pretty pretty on point it was like the tone was right and like I was ready to go out there and win it for Anton myself as well, but everyone trying to do it all individually, they didn't work together as a team. And that's what soccer is all about. You have to play as a, as a group together, especially tactically. And I'm going to ask you the question to Christian Latanzio, get his, his starting 11, right. But first, before you answer that question, you know, I, I think there's some, there's some comments that you've made uh, <laughs> since this result that there. Uh-oh. it's sending shockwaves across the Carolinas. And it's because it's about Camille Yozviak. It's about his inability to cross the ball. It's his right. inability to make anything happen on that left wing. And right. it was a, it was a glaring uh, omission right. from the, from the match when you realize that, that Kerwin Vargas came in and, and did it pretty easily. That being said, right. he did Started have fresh legs. Him. Like Vargas was Vargas instantly sent in a cross that someone got ahead to. It was not a shot on goal. The shot was off target. But Vargas like created a shot within minutes from inside the box. A shot within min, within minutes of coming on. Meanwhile, Camille zero crosses from the left wing. His entire shift, one key pass, I think. And it's it's like I I've just come to this conclusion. I'm really hyped about this. Maybe I'm crazy, and I'm sure anyone with a coaching background can probably tell me maybe why this couldn't happen, but I'm going to stick to it. I, I don't care because I think it's the right thing in my heart of hearts. What does everyone say when they're defending Camille? We have, a, we got some, we got many TIFOs out there who like always love to get mad at me because I'm such a Camille hater in their eyes and whatnot. I'm really not a hater, but what I realize now is I think he's been miscast and all these folks who love to come to his defense and, you know, uh, that wear Yusviak jerseys and whatnot to the to the parties and to the festivities. Like uh, they always say, well, yeah, he hasn't really contributed on offense yet, but he's such a bulldog. He, he earned the nickname the Polish bulldog. He's always he's really good at getting stuck in on the tackles and tracking back from the wing to play defense, getting interceptions and 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 the whatnot. And I think it 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 finally opened my eyes to something that I think he should be the left back. 
he's not working on the left wing, but his defensive skills are there. He won. He had two tackles. He had uh, he won three out of four aerial duels, uh, just like fighting for headers in the air. And it's like, let's put him to the left back. We have a left back conundrum in terms of we don't really trust Mora there. He did start. Affle was the left back for the majority of the preseason. And I was surprised he didn't start. That's a whole other point we'll get to in a minute. But it's like we have this left back uh, uh, selection dilemma and we're not really loving either of our choices there. In any anytime someone's talking about a transfer these days for Charlotte FC, ever since we brought in you know our big names over the summer, they're like, I hope we do one more move for a left back. You know, like that's what the hopers out there are hoping for. So let's move Camille to the left back. That frees up the left wing for Vargas to start or Nuno Santos to start, and both of those guys are going to give you more offense than Camille Yusufiak's giving you. It's not, and the you say, oh well, you don't want a DP to be a left back. I mean, that's. That's neither here nor there. The the, the prevailing opinion is we're going to buy Camille out of DP status at some point in the near future anyway. So, like, let's just start getting this guy some reps at left back and, and see what happens. Like, I, he's known for being a bulldog and having a defensive prowess, and his offense is almost non-existent at this point. He had the nice tap-in goal from a beautiful Carroll cross against Legion, but against New England, he was almost invisible. I just – he's a bulldog. I don't hate the guy. I just think he's horribly miscast positionally right now. It's an interesting take, and it's it's something that for me, what's most important is about the the age here, right? Like how he's twenty four years old, right? So like this type of transition uh, for a guy like Camille probably does happen in the next five years. You know, as you get closer to thirty, you kind of see yourself moving back right. towards that back line. You right. lose a little right. bit of speed. Anyway, yeah. You know, your career. I think Fuchs was will... a winner. Fuchs was a winger for the Austrian national team as a young man before he, you know, settled into a left back role. Yeah, so I, I think that's like a natural progression. I just think ultimately it's a really tough ask, you know, for for someone like Christian Latanzio to to sit down with with a, a player who likes to be on the front foot and likes to be on the wing and likes to play offense and say, "Hey, man." Um, your career is is now um, moving towards the, the back line, and, and 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 I think for a lot of players, sometimes their ego takes a big hit from that, right? Where right. yeah, I'm not, I'm not a left back. I I, I need to be right. in the offensive third, and I need to be making things happen. That being said, I think that this transition, I think there's only one way Camille is like a Charlotte FC lifer, someone who plays here for a long time, is that. And I don't necessarily agree with you on this take. I think it's a smart conversation. I think it's a good take. I think ultimately over the next couple seasons, if Yuzuyak wants to make that change to the back line, I think that ultimately could potentially keep him here in Charlotte for six, seven years because you're going to buy him down. He's not performing well enough to go out there and be bought by somebody right. else. Like This right. is basically it for him right now. And his performances on the field do not suggest in any way, shape, or form that he's going to go somewhere else. So Charlotte FC, right. I think in his heart of hearts, he needs to understand that this is his opportunity to prof- to play professional football at his highest level. We, we gave him the nickname Useless Viac, right? Yeah, yeah, Go back. Yeah, yeah. You, can, you can check the yeah. tape. Oh, yeah. I wasn't more of a hater is, than I was, for sure. This is not just a, hey, we're going to watch game one and trash somebody on the squad and say that he is not good enough. I've been telling you that his performances have not been good enough for Mm -hmm. over a year now. And we're also been telling you that Joseph Mora and his performances have not been good enough for over a year now. I think 
to me, some of the most interesting commentary. And I think you, you, you in your rewatch, you talked about some individual moments right. that Joseph Mora had, which they were there. But I have to say, as someone that was watching him very closely, he was out of position every single right. time I looked at him. For some reason, he was just so interested in playing offense in that match. Yeah. He, he, yeah. he wasn't even considering. He, Brant Bronico had to drop back and play in a left-back position like four or five times in the first half because all of a sudden, Joseph Mora starts wandering up the pitch and he yeah. finds himself in the middle of the center circle mm-hmm. and he's trying to make things happen. So, yeah, if you think that Joseph Mora had a good game, it's probably for that reason. But guess what? That's not what his job is. His job is to be a, a reliable left back who doesn't get beat. We have zero interest whatsoever. I have zero interest. I'm not going to speak for you or any other fans. But I have zero interest in seeing Joseph Mora do anything on the front foot on the opponent's <laughs> half of the field. Yeah, zero. I mean, he's not exactly uh, Andy Robertson out there on the left side for sure. I, it's tough because he had the chance created. He had probably the best cross of the night into the box in terms of creating – our highest XG shot uh, that Westwood skied over the bar, unfortunately, in the first half. Westwood bags that chance. We're talking about probably an entirely different, and we're probably celebratory here at this point because I think it would have opened up the floodgates. Unfortunately, well, it, was, Ashley it was a tough one. one. It was it was a tough half volley. It was yeah. Oh, for sure. An, yeah, it's not an it easy finish. An easy I'm not. Finish. I'm not criticizing him. That was Mora's big offensive moment. He had a couple other crosses, and it may be tactical because it is kind of what we saw from uh whoever was like we saw it in the preseason that left back kind of moving up into sort of playing almost off the almost off the left circle a little bit like very inverted that's a Latanzio thing he brings his fullbacks inside for sure but uh and then he had the he had one great moment where he like tracked all the way back to like stop a breakaway but how did that breakaway get started it's because he was out of position like you said so I think both Mora and Tuoloma who you know welcome big build the club we invented a little chant we you know, at one point when it was still, when we were still trying to get hyped up, it was still nil nil in the second half. Me and uh, and our boy Brett and his brother Josh, we were up in the uh, supporter section, which, by the way, we were all the way stuck up near the top of the stadium because uh, some logistical problems with deciding who uh, actually belongs in the supporter section. It was completely overstuffed, and stadium staff needs to do a better job there. But regardless, our chant was uh, for the Ted Lasso fans in the in the house is like, he's big. He's Bill. He's big. Fucking Bill. <laughs> big Bill. Big Bill. And we loved it. We were having so much fun with the chant. But the problem was that Bill was getting himself a little out of position. He was even trying too hard, trying to make an impression on his new squad. And he had some nice tackles. And I think most people would tell you uh, Tuoloma played a good game. He had a 7.1 ratings. You see scrolling below me. Melanda definitely was better. But uh, Tuoloma ultimately was the last one to touch the ball. Before we conceded, uh, he he did a slide, attempted a sliding clearance that didn't uh, achieve its desired result, and Kessler was there to pounce on and, and slot it in. Uh, I just think the ultimate thing is what Mora and Tuloma had good moments individually, and it's everyone that would look at what they did and say, "Oh, they played well. They weren't the problem. They weren't the problem." But what was the problem? They really shouldn't have been in there because what Latanzio did, Laddie Daddy, was he messed with his chemistry from the preseason starting lineup. You had Affle starting left back every meaningful preseason game. You had Jones starting center back every meaningful preseason game. And then you drop those two for Mora and Tuoloma going like, I just didn't, I, uh, psychologically that doesn't work for me. Confidence wise, that doesn't work for me. And we don't know what's going on in training. Obviously he saw something in training that made him make the decisions he did, but like, and yes, Jones is not a natural center back, et cetera, et cetera. We know all this, but like Jones 
was playing pretty well in center back in the preseason. I, I don't think he was the the one who was was at fault. And I, I just think like you have this guy providing cover for you at a position. You spend the whole preseason trying to teach him the the fundamentals of center back that he can play. And it's like, okay, I did I did it. I got it. I did everything you asked for me in in the month of preseason camp, coach. I, you know, you asked me to make a change. I've been studying. I've been working on all these new techniques that are different to the position I came up in. Let's get going for this opener. Oh. I'm on the bench. Someone else that we just signed came in and took my spot. Uh, it's just really weird. I don't think Jones's destiny lies at center back, but I think he put in the work this this preseason camp to like at least earn the chance to start the first game of the season. Uh, you know, Derek Jones has got it going on, but he did not on Saturday night, unfortunately, because he didn't get the chance to. And I, I just think Latanzio got it wrong. And then a lot of people will complain about like I won't complain about the Gaines thing. I liked the lineup just because Gaines was in. Like, when I saw the starting 11, I was like, let's go Gaines three points. Ha ha, you know, wordplay. Like, I was like, this is, uh, I believed in McKenzie's start. He had a bad game. But the other two changes, if I had looked a little deeper when I first looked into the 11, I would have been like, I don't necessarily like that on the principal matter of it. And it proved to probably, I think, throw things off. It was a conservative approach, the 11, right? It, when, when you think about what it was, it was experience there. He, he, mm-hmm. he went with Joseph Morrow. He went with Big Bill. You know, mm-hmm. he, he went with Nathan Byrne. And I'm not just talking about MLS experience. I'm talking about guys that have been around the block, right, who have played in other leagues, who have had a lot of soccer experience, who could potentially meet the occasion that was a home opener in front of 65,000-plus fans at the keep, Right. Uh, Westwood, obviously, right? He's he's into the lineup. But you know why he's wearing the captain's armband? is because of his experience, right? And sure. for me, it was just a unbelievably conservative side. And something that I've noticed as I've kind of looked around MLS this um, opening weekend is, is that there's a lot of young players getting a lot of shine across the league, especially one for New England. Who Danny Rams? This somebody that stood out to you as 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 somebody that potentially could have bossed this this match. Yeah, this, um, this somebody kid. that had a huge impact. This kid crushed us, man. Noel Buck, seventeen-year-old uh, kid who just played in the New England defensive midfield and was constantly like getting forward and making stuff happen. I was like, it, it was crazy. I thought uh, like it's just one match. I'm not going to overreact, but this kid played really well against us. Don't think he was intended to start. They went out and got Latif Blessing, an MLS veteran, uh, to to sort of be a potential starter for them this year. It looks like Buck earned the right to start this game in their camp over him, over Blessing and, and a couple other guys. And so Buck went in, created some good chances. We almost conceded. Buck served like the, uh, this beautiful cross earlier in the second half before we actually did concede a goal to Henry Kessler, who never should be scoring a goal ever in – against anyone the guy's a center back and he's like living in our box and scored the game-winning goal against us unfortunately but uh earlier on a play like uh, like a sort of a secondary re-counter attack off of a failed set piece buck served this like gorgeous cross into kessler that went off the crossbar that would have given if it had been it was extremely powerful no way pablo could have saved that one if it hadn't gone off the crossbar so it it was a squad we got a lot like we basically kind of just like spent ourselves and shot our load like with all these like frustratingly uh incomplete premature attacks 
in the first half. And then like by, by about the 60 minute mark, our guys just started dragging a little bit. New England grew into the game. All of a sudden they're the ones that are starting getting chances and they, their defensive midfield is pushing up and they're, they're wing, like their wingers, Brandon by and Dewan Jones started making stuff happen. And it's crazy. Cause we pretty much for the most part neutralized Carlos heel. I mean, he did his thing. He had one, uh, I think he had one chance created. If I look, I'd have to double check his stats, but it's not like he'll really kill this. He ended up with a good rating. Uh, he did have three chances created, so forgive me there. But uh, you know, sent a lot of crosses. Uh, not not all those were great chances. So uh, I, f- for someone like Heel, who we're so worried about, we we kept him under control. But uh, unfortunately, we couldn't. It was the unknown quantity. It was the seventeen-year-old coming in, uh, making I think his league debut. I'm not sure, but. Uh, he crushed us, and then we and then we lose to a center back goal off a play where Carroll once again was trying too hard. 88th minute, if you look at it, and uh, Swiderski like basically like trying to sort of he's trying to clear clear it. We were playing in our own defensive third. If you, you know, everyone that saw it saw, it, but he tried to clear the ball, ended up kicking it out to the wing into a group of four New England defenders, and we had like one guy there. I think it was Vargas, if I remember right, who was like trying to find a way to receive this pass in the middle four guys instead it's cut off by noel buck who immediately sends it back into the box Tuoloma tries to clear unfortunately not successful and, and kessler's waiting there for the rebound new england just wanted it like like you said like as, as we go go into the 10 last 10 minutes of a nil nil game and it's like okay we believe we can our subs have come in we believe we can go do this and go get a win instead it was actually new england who started pressing harder and and they turned up their energy and effort in the last 10 minutes and our guys we had a chance created Vargas off the post moments after they scored we almost made it 1-1 again the guys never gave up the guys weren't flat they were just ineffective it's it's a tough pill to swallow when when I take a look at this this squad and think about who did impress me last uh, night Saturday night uh, at Bank of America Stadium like I would say it's it's Ashley Westwood just because uh, his leadership ability, his qualities, that was the right move to, to start him there. Thinking back to to last season and what was really kind of missing in that central midfield, I think I think Ashley Westwood really fills that that hole. But other than that, I I, I left just completely disappointed with with most everybody on the squad, especially the manager for for picking Bill Tuiloma uh, in this match. I thought it was a a major mistake. Mm-hmm. I thought he was learning how to play with his teammates on the biggest stage of the season which mm-hmm. is, to me, just an absolutely critical error at a position like center back. Um, I think if push comes to shove, if you ask me why Latanzio made that decision, I don't know. I'd, I'd be happy to ask him sometime. But I also believe that it's because it was the easy decision, right? He's got mm-hmm. a center back. He's got a lot of years of experience in MLS. Yeah, let's just plug and play him. Let's put him in there. He'll get the mm-hmm. job done. He'll do what's required at that position. And he did in probably the most boring fashion that I've ever seen. I mean, he was just lumbering around, picking out passes, not hitting any adventurous uh, balls over the top, just really playing boring, boring football, something that we know Derek Jones does not do. Derek right, Jones is someone right. who's comfortable having the ball at his feet, who's looking for an extra pass, who's looking mm-hmm. forward to maybe getting up into the box. Making we talked about and we emphasize the fact that Bill Tuiloma scored six goals in MLS last year, and he and, he had one wicked shot. 
He had one wicked shot that went just a couple yards, uh, a couple feet really to the to the left of the goal, probably covered by Petkovic. It probably was not going to sneak past the goalkeeper, but it was a, it was a firecracker from outside the box. He did bring it that one time, but it just was not enough. So, so ultimately, my, my main takeaway, and, and I want to get into some of our TFO's main takeaways. Uh, my main takeaway is that Christian Latanzio got it wrong. Uh, if you heard what I said at the yeah. back end of last uh, week's podcast, if you heard me on third, Thursday night at, at Elizabeth Parlor Room, um, go back to that last ten minutes of the show, and you'll you'll you're, you'll you'll see exactly how I feel, and you'll you'll know how I feel. Um, you know, ultimately, can, this is a I can massive feel job. how you feel. I can feel how you feel right now, you know, sitting in Indianapolis. I can, I can just see how, uh, how peeved you are coming through the microphone. Yeah. It's just one of those things where um, it's, it's a big, big moment for, for everybody at the club. And it just, it just felt like we, we had it wrong. And, and I think the outcome, and unfortunately that outcome is scoring no goals. It's the second year in a row. Mm-hmm. It's over, you know, 70,000 people last year. 65,000 people this year. Let's do the quick math. We're talking about 135,000 people that haven't seen a Charlotte FC, didn't see Charlotte FC score a goal in 180 minutes. Right. And yeah. once again, once again, let me just under, underscore that that's just not good enough. Uh, we asked this question to our tremendous friends of the show. Shout out to you at For the Crown Baby. You can interact with, with us there always. Uh, the question that was asked, we said, hey, we're sitting down to record a podcast. What's your main takeaway from Saturday? On the field, off the field, on TV, anything goes. Um, I mentioned friend of the show, Matt Geslin. He chimed in. He said, shows that the preseason is useless. Team got <laughs> caught up in the pace and fitness of another MLS team and didn't cope well. Something that can be resolved, but eye-opener for sure. I think cutting through the bullshit, he's right. Sure. He's, he's hard absolutely truth, right. And, yeah. and, and, and it's one of those hard truths that you can play against Birmingham. You can play against Charleston. But then when you do play an experienced MLS side, by the way, coached by one of the one of the best coaches in the league who I called Reina uh, last week's show. Don't know why. Um, Bruce Arena. I thought you said Arena. Uh, I thought you were saying Arena. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That, um, I, I yeah. I gave you grace on that one because I thought you were saying Arena. But yeah, no, yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So that's a good one. Michael Volak, he he tweeted in. He said, I thought we played a solid match until we conceded on the Swiderski errant pass. There it is. Mm-hmm. You know, he's looking at Carl Swiderski in a critical way here. And, and my takeaway from that moment was it was a ball that should have been cleared not a ball that should have been trying to thread the needle, if that right. made sense. At that yep, point exactly. in the match, just, just clear. bang it back out to the half. Just line. boot it out of bounds. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yep. exactly. Had some opportunities that we didn't finish. Um, follow-up question here. Uh, what changes, of, if any, would you make versus St. Louis City Soccer Club or whatever the hell they're called? Wanderers changes uh changes man I don't know so like how do you go back right now do you go start Jones and Affle and, and admit like like we got to start over from square one probably I probably because I think Jones is the one who deserves to be there but now Tulomas had 90 more minutes of real soccer with these new teammates that he's maybe a little more adapted so maybe the case is there to start him in it's it's tough I would say Let's go back, even though I've been the biggest advocate for starting McKenzie Gaines, I'll eat the L on that one and say, let's start Vargas out there. Again, if you want us to change I would make, I would say put Camille Yusufiak to left back starting this week and, and just let's make it happen and like 
get Nuno Santos on the pitch. Like, where's Nuno Santos when you need a, need a goal in the last 10 minutes? You know, like, it's great. I love to see Vargas and Shinusiki come on. Maybe Santos comes on for Bronico at that point just as an offensive sub. I, I wouldn't have wanted to take Carroll out necessarily, although he did make the error. Uh, so it's a tough call. I think Vargas should start probably over Gaines because I think he's slightly better on the right, even though he was fine on the left too. And that's tough. I, I If it's my heart, I keep Gaines in and bench Yusviak. If it's my head, I probably bench Gaines and, and keep Camille out there. Uh, but... Vargas needs to start, I guess. Let's just say that. Because he, he creates offense. Shout, shout out to Sean Swain, uh, at Sean7656 on Twitter. The for, artist. For checking in as well. Yeah. By the way, we're here on YouTube. You can see this secondary show logo that we have here. Uh, that was a, a Sean Swain production. So uh, thank you, Sean, for, for hooking us up with, with these sick graphics and continuing the great work. Uh, he chimed in. Danny, he said, I saw a lot of promise despite the results, but a lot of crosses went unanswered. I'm not sure if this new formation is the best use of our new squad. Do you think we will adjust next week or stay the course? I think stay the course. You don't change the entire formation just based on one bad result, but you could change one player's position based on a year of mediocre results. Uh, Mike Umberger chimes in. Danny says the best part of soccer is and always will be the fan culture and fellowship. I won't mince words. Right. The match sucked. But it was really nice seeing my soccer family gathered again. Cheers to that. That's that's a good mm -hmm. one. Is any, any other ones that popped out uh, or stood out to you? Any responses here, Danny, that you want to uh, recognize before we get out of here tonight? Uh, shout out to uh, a lot of the people we saw. Shout out to my boy Amadio. Amadio is a uh, Charlotte FC fan who lives who goes to school in Ohio, coming in home for the Atlanta match. So we're looking forward to seeing him and meeting him. Uh, Jorge Torres, uh, another tremendous friend of the show, says, uh, Sir, he's speak addressing uh, Laddie Latanzio, says, Sir, there's a thing called substitutes. Using them would be nice. Uh, there's, I've seen a lot of criticism of that. Uh, Bridget McCall from the Queen's Pitch podcast also was like, you know, she's she's pretty much coined the term Laddie Daddy, and uh, uh, she was pretty upset with her, uh, her uh, father figure there for not using uh, effective use of the substitutes and things like that. I mean, Shinny and Vargas did come in and, and have effect, effective results, I guess. not They didn't create any goals, but they did create some offense. But I would like to see Nuno Santos. Get Nuno in there. I'll reiterate it. I'll hammer it home one more time. Uh, Jonathan Wilson says, you two are crushing the game. Looking forward to catching up in the parlor room. Come on by. Swing on by anytime. We're there. Watch party. First watch party of the season kicks off this Saturday. Look forward to... Uh, getting as many people as want to come see if the the folks we know the tifos who've come out to check out the the parlor room for the first time based on a recommendation have have all had really good things to say which which i love uh but yeah the 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 overriding uh sentiment seems to be more vargas more enzo from all all of our tifos that that's what they want to see and i tend to agree it's the charlotte soccer show i'm john hayes he's danny brams it's been a it's been a good um a therapy session maybe uh, you know, one thing I, I work in the podcast business, Danny, you're in the television business. Uh, I, I will say one thing about podcasting is, is that especially when you're doing team specific stuff like like the Charlotte Soccer Show, where we're talking about Charlotte FC. People love listening to podcasts when their team wins. You know, So uh, for those of you who have made it uh, to the show, uh, whenever you're listening, we appreciate you being here. And we, we hope oh, yeah. that you 
make it to Elizabeth part of the room. It's our first watch party of the 2023, 2023 season. We're going to be there. Uh, match kicks at 8.30 Eastern time on Saturday night. So it's, it's going to be a vibe in there for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, it's going to be a big match that we're going to preview uh, on our weekly preview podcast that will drop on Thursday night as well, previewing that game coming up Saturday. Excited to talk about it because in my wildest dreams, I did not imagine that it would be St. Louis with the three points already in the bag right. I know. in this match. I thought that script would have been flipped. And I was just blown away by St. Louis's ability to, to go down to Austin and, mm-hmm. and get that win in that inaugural match. Something that Charlotte FC couldn't do. Helped dramatically by St. Louis born and bred center back for Austin FC, Kip Keller, who had some of the, some of the most horrendous uh, errors led to goal and errors led to shooting uh, performances I've ever seen. If you watch the highlights of uh, Austin and, and St. Louis, uh, just keep an eye on number four in green. He had a, a, a howler after howler of a match, the poor kid. He was a pretty high draft pick for Austin last year, I think. But uh, he'll, he'll have better days. But, yeah, St. Louis is going to present a challenge. I, I want to know from you real quick before we get out of here, what, what's it like, you know, having a schedule? Like last year we were a little bit more haphazard with the pod. We kind of snuck it. Sometimes we do a Tuesday. Sometimes we do a Wednesday. You never know. That's, this year we got it, we're doing Thursday recording sessions at the Parlor Room in Elizabeth. We're doing Saturday road game watch parties. We're doing Sunday YouTube reacts uh, get-togethers. Like does it, feel, does it feel like we're growing like a, a little more responsible, a little more adult in our second year here on the show? Well, it, it feels like we're setting expectations for for the tremendous friends of the show, for the listeners. I, I like I like having the schedule. I like knowing what we're doing every single week. I like that, that people can can come to expect something from us as well. I do like that. But I've got to say, and this came up last uh, Saturday night when we were uh, at the supporters bar in the stadium, which uh, another thing that I, you know, my, my, my main, main takeaway was how, how great it was to see everybody. Oh, it was like, um, but, but, like everyone kept walking up, like every five minutes, another person that we had not seen in a few months came up to say hi and give a hug or a handshake. And that was awesome. It was, it was a reunited uh, feeling for sure. Like met Al- Alex Ventura, one of the OOG TFOs, like met his wife for the first time, Lauren. And she, she was amazing. She like Alex, such a mild mannered, like very friend, like overly, like super friendly guy. And you just think like this guy. This guy's a puppy dog. His wife is a freaking pit bull. She was amazing. Fat, sore like a sailor and had a joke about everything. It was, I had a tremendous time meeting her. Great couple for sure. Yeah, I did as well. Yeah. An, an absolute blast. And, uh, but I think, you know, ultimately, yeah, we, we're going to do most of our episodes at Elizabeth Parlor Room. But um, just like a, a band would go on a summer tour, Danny Rams, this summer we're going on tour. We're going to, we're going we to hit up some, some breweries yeah. for sure. Uh, Charlotte Soccer Show will be back on tour. There's no doubt about it. Uh, that but right now we've got a uh, uh it's like vegas you know when you're uh you sign up with one of the, the residents yeah and you- <laughs> yeah we got a residency exactly exactly right we've got a residency but we're, we're heading back on tour this summer right. there's no doubt about that so in the meantime i hope everybody has a great week uh cheers to you danny brams uh cheers to uh, the mls season being back cheers to apple who by the way has done a fantastic job with Love mls and, and i've got nothing but positive experience and, and positive uh, things to say about the way that Apple and MLS is treating this partnership. Uh, to me, it, it feels like the logical next step for, for this league. And it's uh, a, a next step that screams professionalism. Right. And mm-hmm. yeah, we, we, it's a professional soccer league. It's always been, but, but at ESPN, 
the games were sometimes not produced at the highest quality. At Fox, sometimes games were not produced at the highest quality. Apple said, you know what? We're going to buy this, this rights holder agreement and we're going to guarantee you that we've got all the good cameras at all the games and you're going to watch these games and you're going to be able to see it in beautiful, clear picture HD. And this Seattle, Colorado game that I'm watching on my tablet right here next to us, Danny, as we're doing this show, it's freaking gorgeous. It's It's crystal clear. Yeah. It's 1080 all the way. And the only thing that doesn't look good. And by the way, Seattle just went up three nil. Um, to start hey bear. Hey bear with the with the third goal, the new uh, import, the Rui Diaz replacement. Uh, trying to get rid of that little injured Peruvian. Uh, <laughs> replace his goal scoring production. Good for him. The only thing that doesn't look good is the turf. Got to get the turf up. Got to get the grass out there. Seattle, come on. Yeah, I thought as, that was good as, grass growing. They they love grass in Seattle, <laughs> don't they? It's legal up there. Yeah, <laughs> you know what can I say? Uh, tough call, man. Uh, I think. Uh, Enzo Capetti don't like to hear the excuses on a night where he could have been better, but he didn't say anything wrong either. The turf sucks. This podcast is a longtime anti-turf pod, and uh, I'll say it anytime this topic comes up. I, I just think Dave, you know, Dave, my guy. We shared that fist bump last year, and in, I te- I was trying to te- telepathically say, like, transmit the message through the power of uh, of fist to fist contact. Tear up this turf and put some freaking grass in. Come on. You did it for Chelsea. Do it for Charlotte FC. Charlotte Soccer Show. I'm John Hayes. He's Danny Brams. We're going to be back later this week. Until then, hit us up at For the Crown Baby. The show goes on, Danny Brams. On to the next one. The show's just getting started. The show's just getting started. We're on to St. Louis. We are on to St. Louis, baby. Until next time, as always. For the Crown Baby. For the Crown Baby.